So <laughs> my wildest entrepreneurship uh, experience was when I was in Edible Garden City, uh, which is an urban farm. Uh, I got a call on the way to a meeting and, and my boss said, hey, look, can you swing by the farm? It's pretty urgent. Like, uh, scrap the meeting. So I'm like, all right, sounds pretty serious. So I, the, I walked into the farm gate and the first thing I saw was like, SWAT team. <laughs> I want to give a special shout out to our Instagram page. If you have yet to follow us there, what are you waiting for? Follow our cute little coconut for great reminders, content snippets, and great vibes to perfume your day. We know you'll love it as we expand our ecosystem to journey with you every step along the way. So come on to the Financial Coconut Instagram page now. Tag us whenever you see some interesting stuff. Help grow our community together. Link is in the description below. Must all entrepreneurs have big, crazy ideas or have some serious skills that others don't? Is there a way to kind of be an entrepreneur without taking all the risk? I think many of us want to give things a shot. But when should we venture on our own? When should we seek a co-founder? Or should we just join a founding team? This is pretty complicated and nuanced. But more importantly, I hope you do it. Introducing Chris, ex-general manager of Edible Garden City, a social enterprise focused on horticulture, education and rehabilitation of cities. He's a great friend of mine and I knew him for a long time. He joined the Edible Garden City team when they could barely afford a sink. They literally built their own sink with PVC pipes. I brought him on to share a different perspective of joining a founding team. Being stuck between founders and a team, building something that isn't exactly his own brainchild. I'm sure many of you guys will be in his shoes, and I hope you can learn many great juice today. So welcome to Entrepreneur Shit Show. Uh, armored vehicles. <laughs> and then in front of the armored vehicles, there was like ambulances, there were police cars, there were like 12 vehicles in, 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 you know, in the farm. I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> and as I walk closer, I see my colleague... Uh, I won't, I won't reveal his name, but he was lying in a stretcher. His eyes were bloodshot. Um, and he looked very, very dazed. And, you know, it was incoherent. I couldn't, he couldn't understand anything I was saying. I was like, dude, what's going on, man? Uh, and he was covered with, uh, you know, he was basically bleeding on his, on his elbows and, uh, and legs and stuff. Lah. So later I found out that he ran into the a nearby, there was a, children's nursery close by, they are like our neighbor <laughs> compound. He ran there. Uh, I think he started screaming and he said that people with parangs chasing him. And then he ran, he climbed over the fence, uh, ran into like uh, some private estate houses close by, did the same thing. Um, and then ran back into our compound and he went into the finance office and I think he just freaked out and sat on a chair. It's pretty wild. That was pretty wild. And the next thing I knew, you know, the police took him away. Uh, they said, you know, we, we will not reveal anything until... Um, I mean, we'll let you know what happens. But basically, long story short, we never saw him again. Uh, you never saw him again? We never saw him again. In, in, I mean, the police took him away and we never knew what happened. Uh, and basically, like, we terminated his contract. But so, not every day you have a SWAT team no, trying to SWAT no. uh, like... A farm, okay? Yeah, so, yeah. So right. this, this wasn't any normal farm. This was a, a social enterprise. And uh, 
you know, our, the founder, uh, Bjorn, he's, he has a very, very good heart. Right? He, he really wants to make a change in the world. So uh, his vision is that using farming as a way to do social good. Um, and so this guy that we hired, he was an ex-prison offender. Um, and, you know, he, we wanted to see how, how we can integrate uh, this gentleman into society, right, by giving him um, value. Because and it was actually pretty good because the first year that he was in there, he, he is full, he's, like, he's like the Hulk, so, you know, completely ripped and he loves doing the heavy lifting and all that. So nice. uh, actually he, he was contributing a lot, uh, mm. you know, during the first year that he was working. Um, so I think that, that answers the reason why he's in the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we did see some positive ch- change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how how was it like working with him? You know, I mean, not just not the yeah. yeah. I did enjoy working with him. Mm-hmm. You know, he. Uh, Why I ask because I think a lot of people paint this very like negative picture about like you know prisoners and yeah. offenders. You know, but yeah. but we're all humans. We all make mistakes. Yeah. You know, and I just want you to kind of share your your experience working with him. Yeah, he was a very uh, humble guy. Like he knew that he didn't want to go back to to the prison. So you could tell that he was striving to be a better person and turn mm-hmm. over a new leaf. Um, and he was a, you know, he had, he had experience in boxing. So actually it was quite fun. We actually had, like, he taught me how to cool. box and we did training together. Cool. Um, it was fun. Yeah, it was really, really fun working with him. Mm. Yeah. Just like, it's just like one of us, man. I think based on what you've talked about, you said that you're not very interested in a lot of the social stuff. Not that you're not interested, but you're not as vested. Yeah. Right? But it's a founder thing. Like your founder kind of yeah. made you guys all kind of do it because it's a founder vision. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And how is it like working with like founders like that? Maybe to be more specific, that the founder Bjorn, uh, how is it like working with him? Man, what a pain. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he he, he gets he, it like, He gets yeah, it. Yeah, don't yeah. worry. He knows. He knows. <laughs> we, it's uh, a love hate. Love uh, hate. Love thing. hate. Love hate. To put it simply, the grander his visions are, the more scary it is for people <laughs> trying to execute it. <laughs> uh, 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 mm. Because uh, it's like for him, yeah, everything is possible. And then for us, like, oh my god, there's how do you get there? Right? There's a billion other steps to get there. Mm. Uh, and the, the struggle that we always have is like. Dude, stop overpromising. Stop. I know you're a good salesman, but but and I know you want to save the world and change the world, but we all have uh, our jobs we need to do for the bread and butter, for the income to come in. So and a lot of your visionary things um, takes time, takes investment. Like us trying to do both at the same time, it, it puts a lot of stress on on the team. So yeah, it's always it's every day is a struggle, lah. To put it simply, mm. you know, balancing that reality and and. Uh, uh, Idealism. <laughs> <laughs> but do you do you then see yourself as an entrepreneur? Yeah, for sure. I for I mean I started selling like at home we had a lot of random books that people donated. And as a kid, I think I was like five or six years old, I was like, hmm, no one's doing anything with these books. Let me try to sell them. So I in primary one, I think I sold them to my classmates, like ten books for two dollars or something like that. Uh, so yeah, I, I do. I do think I have some entrepreneurial traits, um, but and I've tried a few random projects. I don't think I have as much of a risk appetite as many of these founders do. But maybe that's where I'm, I find that balance. Right, I understand what it takes to be an entrepreneur, um, and I help execute the vision. But 
yeah, I'm not like super hardcore. Mm. <laughs> I can't. I maybe at this point of time, I haven't found that thing that I would say mm. I would be able to go all in with my own money and everything yet. Mm. How hardcore can you get? Just kind of help us understand. Can can by working beyond get? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what is some something that you after you come into the meeting room? It's like we're gonna do this, and you'll be like, I'm that, quitting. Uh, <laughs> that's every week, man. That's every week. <laughs> I give you an example, right? Hiring of the autistic uh, beneficiaries was one of them, mm. right? Mm. He really wanted to do it. He was like, let's hire 10 of them. <laughs> and we're like, okay, uh, first and foremost, uh, you're going to need, I mean, operationally, you're going to need someone to manage these guys and they're all 10 very different people. And at that point, we were just starting our farm. So we ourselves didn't know what the hell we were getting ourselves into. <laughs> we need to first build our, our farm, get our processes ready and stuff. And he's like, no, just hire them and you'll figure it out. And uh, yeah, that was, that, was, that was really tough. The next one year was just like, we were dying. Mm. And, and uh, on top of that, because at that point, it was just hard to, to manage them because some of them are slower than, let's say, getting a machine. Mm. Right? So you have to balance. I just want to buy a machine that can replace mm. you know, mm. all, of, all of these okay, jobs. Right? Okay. But then you have to then balance this like, really, really uh, tricky situation. So I would say that was probably the, the hardest thing to manage. Mm, you know? mm. And I just want to put it out there that we're not trying to critique. We're not social critics. Oh. Uh, we're just trying to share our, our personal experience. Yeah, in the yeah absolutely, absolutely. Okay, yeah. yeah. Don't, 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 don't send hate message. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, okay. And from, from there, right, it, it feels like, do you always think that, you know, these kind of grand visions don't play out? Or is there a scenario where you don't agree, you know, but then turns out, once he insisted and mm, you know things mm. things kind of play out then. I I do think it's both. Like mm. there are cases where his ideas or decisions don't play out and it doesn't make financial sense and we have to kill it. And and therefore uh, uh that's why he needs people <laughs> to help him see that. Uh and there are many times also that I agree that the vision, the founder's vision is so big and so wide that yeah, we don't see it. the people on the ground. Honestly, we have no idea. And many of these takes like five, ten years to realize. Um, so one one example I can give is uh, the Funan project. So uh, on, at Funan Mall, we have a rooftop there, and at, at the start, um, we were asked to invited to you know pitch for it and run the place. And after I did the math, I was like, uh, honestly, it won't make money. Mm. So let's just not do it. Mm. Because we are really so lean, our team is like dying. We're gonna we're gonna have to split ourselves in two, but we're not willing to hire any more people, right? So, but then Bjorn was like, "No, let's do it." <laughs> I was like, "Fine." I mean, I don't know how, but fine. We just have to to, to do it, lah. And I know this, it was hard because I'm managing the guys on the ground, and they be they be like, "Dude, what are you doing? Why are you asking us to go there? It's like such a waste of time. We're not making money, and I have to deal with this for the next few years." But anyway, long story short, we did it, and. Um, I think like three, four years later, we start to see that whatever Beyond had wanted to do with the vision with getting people interested as a, as a space to market uh, urban farming actually started to kick in. Like the returns came in and not just in, in, in financial value immediately, but as a marketing value uh, mm. in, a, in a much longer time span. Mm. So that, that, uh, there was one, ex- one, one instance where I realized that, yeah, sometimes we have to trust the, <laughs> the crazy vision and we have to just go you know, push forward and keep moving. And Beyond is always right, like you have to keep doing something uh, mm. different all the time. Mm, mm, yeah. Mm. And being like the number two, right, in, in the farm, mm. you know, like 
how was it like managing the guys? You know, like exactly what you said just now. So it was a bit crazy, right? The, the the visionary wants something done, and then yeah. you, you gotta tell everybody. That. And everybody's like, "This is more." Like, what what's going on, right? So you know, how, how was how was that managing the team kind of experience like for you? Uh very 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 difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, first, I myself must be convinced. Right? Mm. <laughs> a lot of times, I'm not. <laughs> mm. um, I think that particular experience was, to be honest, a bit tricky. My entire time managing. The, ba- the back story is I joined as a volunteer. Mm. I joined because what I saw was happening was their systems were so shit. They're using calculators to press, like, handwriting invoices and, you know, uh, just, like, dude, there's something called Excel. Mm-hmm. And when I joined, it was to help them improve certain things. And, and then somehow, uh, they saw that I had certain value to contribute. And they promoted me to management. And so he promoted me. And so it was like a position that I was thrust in. Um, I wasn't fully prepared for that. I didn't have the experience. So it was even, even harder because I was struggling with, like, I don't even know what, how to manage. <laughs> so that, that was a very, very tough time for me. Yeah. But in, in short, I, I guess I succeeded to some extent just by doing my best. Like, just whatever I needed to do, I did it. And people could see that. Like, they knew I was trying my best. Mm. And uh, I don't know, it made it, there wasn't anyone else better in the team, like, to be honest. Mm. So uh, they, they just had to deal with it. Like. Yeah. But in terms of management style, I guess I was fairly straightforward. Like, like I, I have no ego in the, this is what job that needs to be done. Let's try to do it. Let's try to figure it out, right? Let's all come together. No hierarchy, nothing. Let's just make it happen. If we can't, then we'll go back to the crazy founder and say, like, you know, uh, we, we need to maybe delay this or need your help in some things. And yeah, and Beyond was helpful as well in, in moderating that. Mm. How, how was the experience like propagating this, like, no hierarchy structure? So, in fact, the irony is. The irony is I had to actually bring in some structure, even though I preferred the no structure style. We were, we were dealing with like the founding team um, that was very idealistic and they had very strong values. Um, and I was sort of the second gen and we had to be a bit more commercial because most of our clients were commercial. And there was a bit of tension because the founding team couldn't get along with the commercial values. And what like, clients just wanted things to look pretty, but, but founding team wanted things to be uh, sustainable, ecological. And then they didn't want to follow these processes and stuff. So it was, it was quite tough. But, uh, in, in, and I don't like following processes or hierarchy, but I guess at, at some point we had to create a hierarchy. And I started to realize that as your organization grows, it is, to be honest, Singaporeans, uh, many of them, many of us, uh, can't deal with no hierarchy. Mm. Yeah, mm. they still need to be told. <laughs> they like to be given like very clear cut boundaries mm. uh, in order mm. to function well. Mm. So uh, I think it, it really suits a certain skill and certain kind of culture, but it's not uh, beneficial for everybody. Mm. Yeah. Hey, so you've moved on from, from Edible Garden. Yeah. And you join another team to yeah. do something else. I mean, in between you try different stuff. So. How was it like working with foreigners then? Like, because you said Singaporeans specifically, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, because my experience working with foreigners is very different also. Yeah. Right? It's like, it's very different culture, the way they do things. You know, yeah. um, I think Singaporeans are a bit, a bit more framed up. La, right? Correct. Everything must be like, ah, oh, like that, ah, oh, like that, like that. Ah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so, yeah. Just kind of curious, like your experience working with foreigners. 
or other people so, in general? So, okay, so my current project uh, with Bootles, um, my, my team consists of a uh, band of founders from UK, uh, Angharat, the butchery director, is from UK, uh, Gypsy culinary director is from California, and Tony, uh, the marketing uh, head, is from South Africa. So, what I observe is that they are very direct, like, uh, and, and also quite flexible. Uh, as long as you get something done, it doesn't really matter how you do it. Yeah, and uh, communication is quite key. Like, you know, you can you you have the right you have the right to tell the founder that uh, you disagree. And uh, I think compared to like the Singaporean culture, is uh, a lot of passive aggressiveness, lah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know, I know, I know. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> what What is the kind of experience about passive aggressiveness? Like on one hand, they expect you to do like they want. Singapore mindset like you want cheap, good, and fast lah. No. <laughs> and then if you if you can't provide that, they they expect that of you and of the team. But reality is like that's something has to give lah. Yeah. But I guess for um, you know people who or rather the, like the current team, they understand that you choose lah. If you want um, good and fast, then it's usually not cheap, mm. and they're willing to often pay for it. Yeah. How is your experience working with these kind of people that pay a premium to do their job? Yeah, so uh, not marketing for the company or anything, yeah. but, but I, I think uh, our guys are being paid above market rate mm. for similar jobs. You can drop the job, job link. <laughs> <laughs> Sign up to join Poodles. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Huh? My observation is that, okay, so to give the context, mm. um, we have chefs, we have um, farmers, or people hired as these roles. Uh, and what's the third one? I guess... Um, Grocers, I don't know. butchers. Yeah, gross, uh, butchers, yeah. Mm. Uh, but all these sort of structures are not ready. Like, the shop is being renovated, so everybody is doing different roles right now. So some of the, the, the farmers are doing uh, operations. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I went there, just two chest freezer, and you guys open up the shop already. Yeah, and like yeah. some crates and yeah. okay, okay, very startupy, <laughs> okay, very cool stuff. Okay. Yeah, some of the one of the the chefs are is doing uh, photography and social media, so everyone's wearing multiple hats. Uh, I realized that everyone has this ability to uh, cross, um, you know, cross work in different areas. They are also the initiative level is way off the charts. And that's something I haven't really seen before. Like people are going two hundred percent. People are very helpful, and yeah, there's there's the certainty. There's always going to be like the internal talk about you know, unhappiness about certain things. But that's end of the day, everyone is is like I find them like a superstar team, mm. uh, and it's like I'm really really easy to work with because mm. there's just so much help and initiative going on. So it makes work very very seamless. Whereas, you know, if someone doesn't take initiative, you have to guide them and, and tell them what to do, which uh, uh, that's, that's such a pain. Uh. Hey guys, I know many of you are looking to invest in properties, but struggle to get quality content about it. I mean, many of these property content online are tainted with sales bias, and we rarely hear from real investors themselves. So in this new show I will be hosting with co-host Troy, we will dive deep with seasoned professionals, casual investors, and experts to help you get a head start on your property investing journey. So join us on the Coconut Avenue today on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you consume your content. This will be a seasonal podcast with episodes airing every Wednesday 
Wednesday. So what are you waiting for? Head over to the Coconut Avenue now. Details at thefinancialcoconut.com slash podcast. And in this like, in this whole mess, right? I think it kind of, it kind of represents kind of your life also in some ways, right? You just, I mean, I know you for so long, right? It's like you 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 went to Australia study da 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 da, and then mm-hmm. you try all these different things, mm-hmm. you know. And I think along the way, the whole family wasn't the wasn't the most supportive. Mm. You know, I'm curious, like, could you share a little bit more about that part? Yeah. So I I went to Australia to study aerospace engineering. Um, now the the reason why I went to Australia, I think there's two parts to it. Lah. One is I, I definitely felt that to be honest, I couldn't stand Singapore anymore. I couldn't I was like, oh man, this education system doesn't work for me. Um I just wanted to get out of Singapore. ASAP. Uh I was doing engineering in Singapore, so I was like, oh my I didn't want to do NTU NUS engineering. That'd be so boring. <laughs> so but then I found a uh, a, a gateway and I did aerospace engineering in Australia mm. uh, and uh, the second thing was I found out that uh, it was really where, where I was studying at was really close to the beach because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't tell my family that mm-hmm. uh, and I just wanted to like have a, a nice escape lah, you know to be in nature and all that so I graduated from aerospace engineering I barely scraped through um, because to be honest, I don't think I was good at it uh, and I wasn't really interested in it fully. When I came back to Singapore, I, I started a cafe. Again, wasn't really part of the plan. I was just helping them out because they were like, they really needed help. And so my family was extremely, extremely pissed off. Yeah, because my sisters, my mom, they funded my university. It wasn't cheap. My mom said, Why, what are you doing? You are... I, you're an engineer and you're now a coffee boy. Exact uh, words. Yeah, you're a coffee boy. Like you're not earning a salary. Um, and 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 I worked really hard. Uh, I was doing like twenty hour days, and I would come home and collapse. Like literally, there was one day I, I I literally like came home, dropped my bag, stumbled to the living room, like just lay on the, the on the on the towels on the floor, and then I passed out. Like I fell asleep. That was how tired I was every day. And then she was like, why are you working so hard? You know, see if you have a proper job, corporate job, uh, engineer, as an engineer, you wouldn't be so tired. And, and my sister was, who funded most of it, she was um, just giving me shit. Because she came from a corporate background and for her, whatever I was doing was very, it was just being irresponsible. I was a young, I was the youngest, I am the youngest in the family. So it was just you being a young, irresponsible kid, wasting our family's money, wasting all the time and energy that we put into to save for you to study. It was just a lot of that noise. And, and I completely understood how they felt and I don't blame them for it. Uh, it was just difficult to do what I, want, I wanted to do during that, those few years. Yeah. So that's what happened with family-wise. Uh, I mean, mainly this, this Two people, la. Mm-hmm. So, so how's how's the family sentiment now? Completely changed, you know. Uh, my mom's like advocating for me to her friends. <laughs> <laughs> my sister also. She's like, you know, do you want to be a private chef? Do you want to like? She's giving me all this like lobangs and um, opportunities, connecting me with people. Yeah. What What changed. do you think changed in this process? 
uh, I guess at some point I somewhat succeeded in my field. So even though I was uh, like say a farmer, I you know wasn't just a farmer. You know I I rose through the ranks. I added value. I was you know in a corporate way I was like a management. Mm. I'm a chief farmer. Chief farmer, CFO. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> chief farming officer, okay, mine's huh? Yeah, uh, then they saw me in like the media, the papers and all that, uh, receiving awards and I mean, mostly on behalf of the company, not not, not personally, but you're like, oh, okay, I guess this guy's like doing okay. <laughs> then I guess they understood lah, and they saw that I was happy. They saw that I was uh, not what they perceived me to be, like just a farmer or just a coffee boy. I was I was more than that, so I guess they understood. Yeah, I still get you know I, I still get shit from them once in a while. <laughs> My mom's like, "Why you work so hard? Why don't you join the army? <laughs> they pay better." <laughs> it happens. Yeah. yeah. This is interesting, right? Because I just never give up, lah. Just I just got to be stubborn, lah. I know they don't understand. I just have to stick to what I believe in, lah. Mm. And uh, thankfully, like they they do believe right now. Yeah. Cool. And and I know in between this journey, uh, relationship kind of kind of went nuts also. Mm. Right, so mm. I was in a relationship for like quite long, five years with with uh, my partner who uh, was super supportive. Like we we met when I was. Yeah, and you know me at that period of time, I was like very, I was figuring out who I was. So I, I was traveling because I, I didn't know who I wanted to be, what I wanted to do at that point of time. Um, and I, I didn't really want to be there, start a relationship at that point of time as well. So I was in this like soul searching phase. Uh, and she was, she saw me through that and also being a very poor farmer, struggling with, with you know, starting out, um, having very low confidence uh, to being, fairly, you know, when I was at management level, then I was quite stable. Um, but then I was like, sold my soul to the company. I was working crazy hours again. So she was with me, supporting me and understanding my journey that whole time. But eventually at some point, I could sense that she, she wasn't getting the love and attention that she needed, right? Um, I was just spending way too much time at work and I felt like, I, I guess intrinsically, I just prioritized work over her, and I and I didn't know why. It was just like an intuition thing. It was hard for me to prioritize her and spend time with her. And whenever I did have a little bit of rest time, I was just so tired, um, and I didn't really want to. In terms of social activities, what I enjoyed doing and what she enjoyed doing, uh, there were many similarities that. More, more things uh, I didn't fully enjoy doing, like, you know, maybe um, just chilling at home, watching TV. Yeah, I, I preferred to go to the library and, and read books or just, just be by myself. So I think there was a lot of uh, tension because if whatever little time I had, I couldn't even enjoy that with her. I couldn't spend quality time with her. And then we, we started to drift a little bit from there. Um, and also, I think I started to, when I finally started to realize what I wanted to do, I realized that it really fully wasn't aligned with, with what she, I guess, wanted. Like she wanted to settle, I mean, to, to have a stable family, something rock solid. 
And I knew my personality was like, like you said, I'm all over the place. I like, I love the craziness. I love adventure. I love uncertainty. And I kind of didn't want to settle. And, and probably that was, I felt very guilty for not being able to provide that for her and to her. And I think one of the biggest mistakes I made was not communicating this feeling to her. So I just felt I just have disappointed her in the last few years. And I don't think I can, and I didn't want to disappoint her any further. So uh, without communicating this to her properly, I, I just caught it off without any warning. Um, yeah, and she was absolutely devastated. Lah, because I, I kind of think that she would have accommodated and accepted it, uh, even at a certain uncertainty. Um, yeah, so there was just a, how would I put it? On hindsight, I think I would have done things differently uh, in terms of how I would have communicated my feelings uh, or asked her how she felt. Um, but, but it is what it is, right? Uh, and how I felt two, three years ago is very different from how I think and feel right now. Yeah, so I, I guess to sum it up, I would, I would say a big part is how I felt. Like. I mean, I cannot explain fully in terms of in a very uh, practical way, but it's just a, a gut feeling that some things were not aligned. Like I just was, in terms of values, I was moving towards a more um, naturalistic, tree-hugger kind of uh, lifestyle. And I guess she just was more comfortable with something more stable, more certain. And, mm. and, and maybe that's where I couldn't reconcile. Yeah. Mm. But it was, it was painful because everything else, like I, she's a really sweet and lovely girl and I do enjoy her company. So it's not like we were on bad terms. <laughs> you mm. know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> and and that, that is really part of being an entrepreneur, right? Like to recognize that, you know, the work hustle is, is pretty nuts. Yeah. And your life is very dynamic, very mm. crazy. And, mm. you know, the entrepreneur partner has to be kind of entrepreneur also. You know, mm. yeah, if not, it's going to be pretty tough. Or at least, yeah, understanding of yeah. what it's going to be like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and what, what happened after that? Uh, what happened was, every time I do one again, again to one. So there was one event that was happening at a farm and... and I bumped into uh, Cheryl. She was, uh, yeah. Long story short, she she was there not so much for the event, but she was there to like, cause she wanted to visit the farm, so she tagged along with her friend. And um, when we first met, I just felt something uh, like a strong connection with her, uh, and and we briefly spoke about uh, some of the activities that we. It, we are within our, our scope of field. So she was, she's very interested in, in um, the environmental stuff, like climate change related stuff and nature as well. Uh, and, and it was just like, like there was just that connection straight up. Well, well, it wasn't immediate. Like I felt something, uh, but then only when like I went back home and a few days later, it just started to, to sink in and I was like, oh, there's just something that there's just a certain alignment, a gut feeling uh, that tells me that 
there's a very, very strong, like the force is strong. <laughs> there's strong resonance mm, mm. with uh, values. And, and, uh, and we, the more we got to know each other, it wasn't very long, but it was just like, okay, I kind of know this is the person I want to be with. Yeah, it was very fast. Mm. Yeah. So then, I think you've, you've shared a lot and a lot of crazy stories. And I just want to know, like, why do you still do what you do? After so many nut shit shows. <laughs> I, mean, I, I know way, way more. Lah, but yeah, I've been in this trajectory of like hustling really hard. And then after three, four years or two, two to four years of a particular project, I go, I'm so tired. I'm, just, I'm so burnt out. Uh, I don't want to do this ever again. And then I take like, a couple of months sabbatical, a, a break, I completely zone out. Uh, and then I and then I'm like mm, I'm so bored now. <laughs> I need to do something crazy again. And uh, I was just thinking about this today, and I realized that I guess I start to and to have a different perspective now of going through the suffering or, or pain. Uh, and this this is a quote by I guess uh, this yoga guy yogic guy called Sadhguru. He's like pain is just a way of of feedback. You know, you it's how you perceive that pain that is important. Uh, people perceive that pain as suffering, but you don't have to think of this pain as suffering, right? You can think of it as you know as a learning uh, experience of one that uh, you can um, turn it around and and become a better person. So when I go through a, a crazy time, uh, when I when I experience the the tension with my founder these days, uh, I just tell myself that oh, like you know what. This is it's how I need I need to reframe this this uh, challenging situation or painful situation or this like crazy hours that I'm working. Uh, how do I take it positively, right? And I um, when I think back, okay, let, let's break it down. If if we, I wasn't doing this crazy thing, right? If I, back in the day, if we were all hunter gatherers, what would we be doing? We'll still have to, you know, go through the challenge of pain of <clears throat> hunting, hiding in some cave waiting for you know some some uh, uh, bull to shoot it's not easy as well <clears throat> like nothing is easy uh, so why don't we just uh, accept that it's not going to be easy and uh, make the best out of it yeah okay so I think Chris is an interesting guy, right? Because he's a very good friend of mine, as you can tell. There are a lot more things that we can talk about. But, you know, for the sake of you guys, we kind of keep it, you know, uh, sufficiently interesting, but not, not crazily juicy. Next time, okay? Next time. Uh, but he's an interesting personnel because he's not exactly like founder-founder, but he's quite an entrepreneur because at the least, he's like a co-founder or he's, you know, like founding team. Right. So I think as an entrepreneur, you don't always need to have your own ideas. You can go around and find you know, worthy causes or worthy projects to participate in. Right? And, and that is also a very beautiful way to be an entrepreneur. Right? Because honestly, you think every day you've got an interesting idea, man. Every day you've got some revolutionary thing to, to work on. It's not, it's not always the case. You know, but you can always participate on someone's uh, interesting idea. And I think Chris shared a lot of interesting uh, a lot of good stories uh, to, to just kind of for lack of a better way to put it. I hope you learned something from him. Uh, yes. Oh yeah, and I, and I want you to know that, you know, um, 
I think it is very brave of him to talk about the relationship part. He's not a douchebag, okay? <laughs> it's not like not like a change girlfriend like that, like that, okay? So so it's a lot more complicated, but I think what I wanted to really show was that, you know, being an entrepreneur, a lot of things change and, you know, some things that we thought could be there forever, turns out that, you know, probably that's not the reality. So yeah, thanks for staying all the way here and uh, Chris has something additional for all of you. Okay, one, one last question. Okay. okay. So if, if someone wants to be an entrepreneur, you know, or participate in an entrepreneurship kind of thing, you know, what is one advice you would give them? I mean, you share a lot, lah, but... Mm. Uh, I think it'd be two things. The first is, um, it's, it's going to be a journey. So whatever you do, just try first. Like, don't... Uh, then the second thing is, maybe don't need to be caught up with the whole glory of entrepreneurship. Like, the whole Silicon Valley exit plan, sell your company. It's a journey about how you figure stuff out uh, solve problems and end of the day if you create enough value you do enough good stuff to people you will get the, the value that you deserve it is in the form of finances in the form of recognition if you don't get that you will get it later on yeah so you know the journey might be you might, be, you might suffer for many years you know this, this suffering might be 10, 20 years you never know for you getting like very little money maybe but uh, your your learnings will always carry you. It's like it's like compounding learnings. You will eventually, you eventually pay off mm. at the end of it. Like compounding earnings. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Compounding learnings. Okay. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. Thank you. All good man. Thank you.